Hi, I'm Peter Anthony. And I'm Steve Angel. You're listening to Men With Spirit. Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and to live a spirited life. G'day and welcome to this 27th episode of Men with Spirited Radio Caram. I can't believe we're up to number 27, Steve. Anyway, this is uh, this is the show where we encourage men to get out of out of their heads and more into their hearts to be more authentically connected with themselves and with others. Hi, I'm Peter Anthony and I'm here with my co-host Steve Angel and today is the 8th of September 2022, which is are you okay? Day, which is the culmination of Are You OK Week. And I've wanted to say this for a long time, Steve. Are you OK? <laughs> well, you know, you ask me something else every week, which is how am I feeling, which yeah. I think is about the same thing, isn't it? Is, it, it? Is, yeah. Yeah. And how am I how am I today? I'm feeling actually quite excited today, Peter. Yeah. Why? Why? Well, for many reasons. Um, it's been a very good week for me. Um, I'm feeling uh, that, you know, I'm getting... A few truths came out in the last week, which I am embracing quite comfortably, mm-hmm. although they're challenging. Um, funny, I'm just feeling funny, funny how truths tend to be challenging at times. They do. Yeah. Something we don't like to hear. But uh, ultimately, um, you know, today is also going to be a special day because we've, we've got a very special uh, show with a couple of great guests and, mm-hmm. and the format. So, I'm always excited when we do something new on the show. Yeah. Fair enough. I mm. agree with that. Yeah. How are you feeling? How am I feeling? Um, are you okay? <laughs> I have to say I've been fairly reflective for a range of reasons over the last week and feeling a little bit sad. Um, I Sad for what? Well, I had no father in my life growing mm-hmm. up. My mother was a single mother. And, um, and the circumstances now are such that I have um, limited contact for one reason or another with my own kids which I suppose at this time of the year with um, Father's Day it does add to the sense of sadness. However, I was really pleased. I got, really got an unexpected um, message from um, one of the guys in our men's group in, mm-hmm. in Frankston. And uh, he, he, he just uh, sent me a text to say, Happy Father's Day for all the people you father, not just those on your bloodline. So I thought it was a really nice thing of one of the guys to say, to to recognise that that contribution we both make to the guys. It is that commitment to help uh, help each other. So that, that lifted my day, I must admit. You know, uh, I think that's just absolutely beautiful and, you know, uh, a testament to the work that, you know, you're doing and that we're doing together, yes. You know, it's interesting you talked about father, fatherhood because, you know, one of the challenges, one of the things that came up last week was about me not being a father. Mm-hmm. Um, not having children, and so you know, there's, there's the other, there's the other side of the coin where you know you didn't have a father, mm. um, not being a father myself, and the expectation of maybe have been a father in this life, but that's not, not, not to be, um, and just sort of dealing with the uh, probably the ongoing grief that maybe that brings up, yeah. and no, and dealing with that, that. yeah, I can understand that, yeah, but yeah. I've, come to understand that there are other ways that you can father and you can be involved in other people's lives. Yeah, and that's a good example mm, where yeah. people recognise it. So, what's all this Are You OK stuff all about, Steve? Do you want to introduce what, it, what it's all about? Yeah, look, Are You OK Day, um, for those who don't know, is, is really a day that's encouraging 
all of us to start a conversation Mm -hmm. and to check in with people that we know and because we know that when we do that, potentially a conversation can save a life. And so that's what today is all about. And and I, I looked into sort of where it all began too. If if people who don't know, there's an Are You OK Day website which has got a lot of information and there for you. I think it's areyouok.org.au, I think, from memory. That's right, yeah. And the day actually w- uh, began um, from the suicide of Barry Larkin in 1995, which obviously left his family deep with grief and endless questions. Mm-hmm. And so in 2009, his son, Gavin chose to champion just one question to honour his father and that was to protect other families from the pain that they had endured and that was to ask the question, are you okay? Because a conversation can change a life. Now this year the theme with are you okay is you don't need qualifications to help someone. And so the so today it's really just, we want to explore this, how this actually, um, the themes that come out around are you okay, what it means, um, how we can be involved, and also to check in. How do you check in with someone? How do you ask someone a very personal question? And and, you know. and, and it's not only about emo- emotional well-being. I, I've found just talking to, to guys, just uh, following on from that uh, the cancer broadcast and, and some of the shows we've done recently, just talking about the, the need or the benefits of getting regular checkups and PSA mm. and these sort of things. So those conversations can lead to people doing deciding to do something different uh, which could change the course of their of their life absolutely yeah. so let's get on with the show let's yep. introduce yep. our special guests okay well firstly um welcome back to david smith the coach and men's group facilitator at a fearless heart welcome back david you've been on two shows previously Thanks for having me, gents. Yeah, it's nothing like going deep. Burley, is there? <laughs> no, there isn't. Yeah, it's great to be here. Really happy to be with you again. Uh, great. And I think you can provide a particular perspective, which we're very much looking forward to. Yeah, thank you. And the other guest we've got today is Margaret Loeffler, who's a clinical psychologist uh, with over 30 years' experience, uh, who's got a huge amount of experience on a whole range of different topics, including suicide and, uh, and other emotional issues, obviously. Um, Mar- I'm, I'm so used to calling you Maggie, so we'll swap between Maggie and, That's and Margie. That's absolutely Margaret. fine, Peter. Anyhow, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank Delighted you. to have you on. It's an honour to be here, boys. <laughs> Such handsome men in front of me. Thank you. It's radio. They can't tell, but we'll go with that. <laughs> They're very handsome, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Look, um, what we try and do when we get guests on the show is to um, just get a bit of an idea of their background and qualifications, particularly when we're talking about uh, the serious subject we are today. And mm. people would say, well, uh, what does Margaret know about this sort of uh, subject? Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and qualifications and what gives you the, sure. the expertise mm. to speak on this, uh, yeah. Margaret? Okay. Thanks, Peter. I am a clinical psychologist. I've been working as a psychologist for over 30 years. Um, I was telling Steve on the way down that uh, I don't know how I got here, but was through a lot of hard work in qualifications. But currently I work two days a week. I'm not a young woman. I'm in my (laughs) mid-70s. But um, I feel I have a lot more to offer given my life experience as well as my qualifications. But uh, I work one day a week at um, the homeopathic clinic in Dava Drive and a medical centre on the Mornington Peninsula. 
So I see a range of people with all sorts of issues, mostly relationships with themselves and others, and incorporating, of course, their own well-being and mental health issues. Good. It's, um, and you do work with, um, I think from what you've told me, you do work with veterans as well? Yes, I do a lot of work with um, veterans, uh, prominently Vietnam veterans or other veterans who've been to other war zones. And I was mentioning that we have now children and grandchildren coming in from veterans, uh, World War Two. I even see um, those from World War Two as well as Vietnam veterans. And um, there's heaps of wars that we, we don't even really know about. So it's interesting work. And there is a big portion of veterans who do consider taking their life. And my work is really to hold them up when sometimes they can't hold themselves up. And so with their war efforts, war experience, it's it's a pretty challenging thing as well as just mm. being a male, being a human being. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It just strikes me with the guys that have fought in wars or conflicts on our behalf. Yes. It just strikes, and it always has, it just strikes me that we send them over there yeah. and then they come back and we just drop them. Yes. And, and uh, I just find them. that um, mm. just dreadful. Um, and good on you for the work you're doing, Maggie, because it's mm. desperately needed. They're a rich, interesting cohort of uh, people. I love working with the Vietnam work uh, veterans because I was around during that time. Mm. That was in the 1960s. And so they uh, relate to me quite well because being a woman roughly about the same age, um, they feel comfortable and I've able to get them to open up about themselves because I am an older woman mm. and uh, there to understand and talk about their experiences. wasn't so much their time at in Vietnam or other uh, war areas was a lot when to do with when they returned back home. And how they were, they, how they were treated or yes. mistreated? how they were treated and mistreated yeah. mm-hmm. with uh, being called baby killers and ignored by governments, just really um, subject to getting back into life, which mm. was impossible. They had no uh, programs to assimilate them back into the workforce or, or home life or anything like that. Have those programs improved now with the subsequent yes, wars? I mean, obviously definitely. Afghanistan yes. and Iraq. So we have better programs in Absolutely, place? Absolutely, Steve. Like um, DVA poured a lot of money into programs to to support these these men and women in these areas. And it's, it's fabulous, especially anger, substance abuse, relationship issues yeah lots of uh, money has been poured into it i work under the umbrella of open arms and uh, that's where the work comes from mm-hmm. the the idea that uh, the theme for are you okay day this year is that no qualifications needed this idea that anyone can strike up a conversation Indeed. coming coming from your point of view uh, yeah. and your perspective maggie which you know you a huge amount of experience and expertise in terms of how you engage with people how realistic from your perspective do you find the idea that no qualifications are needed to have a useful conversation with someone well it's probably 
in many ways more important not to have any qualifications, just to notice a loved one or a friend or someone um, who's really not quite themselves, who have mm -hmm. been socially withdrawn, who are a bit moody, um, who are displaying physical behaviours of really uh, being lonely, unwell, uncommunicative, and just several other as physical aspects of um, not being quite themselves. But loneliness is one of them, but certainly disinterested, their mood dropped, uh, poor, poor diet changes, anger, anger's a big one, hmm. uh, insomnia, um, drug and alcohol increase in drug and alcohol abuse and giving away sentimental and expensive possessions but mostly withdrawing, not responding. Mm. So they're the sort of signs that anyone could look out for. Absolutely. And, and then engage yes. and try and yes. get something going. Yeah. David, could from your point of view, how, how do you... Yeah, just uh, just feeding on from that, the, the no qualifications is I, I do know someone in particular that I'm thinking of who uh, I'm reasonably close to who has no interest in seeing a counsellor or a mm. professional. Yeah. When... From my perspective and from his perspective, he needs help. Mm -hmm. But he, he has said openly, I, I'm not going to go to a counsellor. Mm. So, and, and the reason being? I think um, for a number of reasons. He probably has difficulty with the trauma that he experienced and actually mm -hmm. talking about it and mm. feeling as though he's wrong. I think having to talk about it openly, which is probably something he hasn't yeah. done. Mm. And... Providing him with other opportunities to just be able to talk about it or yeah. just have a friend who's prepared to listen is mm. super mm. important for a part of that yeah. healing, I think. Yeah. Mm. The shame and guilt of really admitting I'm not okay is a really big thing. I know myself that when I'm not okay, people look at you, yeah, but you're mm. a psychologist, but I'm also a human being first and I do get unwell with mm. I've got a sometimes a mood disorder and sometimes I do feel um, you know I'm not quite well mm. so yeah I do reach out and then sometimes non-clinical people or clinical psychologists or other peers it's um, to friends who I feel safe and uh, comfortable with to give you the support that you need mm. yeah hmm um to what extent have you felt the impact, just an open question to anyone, just the impact of suicide, given we were talking about that, um, have you had any personal experience with um, with that over the years? I think I have. Uh, for over the last 10 years, uh, had two experiences of, of suicide. One was successful, uh, the other one was a a couple of attempts yeah, successful <laughs> successful in the fact that yes this is probably an inappropriate word and i apologize that but um both females mm. which i know we're talking mostly about men but it's it's this is not something that's just isolated towards men uh, I, I, from my personal perspective what i did learn from that is number one trust your instinct mm. as a as a friend so um the the one girl who who did suicide i was friends with uh i th knew something was wrong we had spoken i suggested to her maybe she goes to see a doctor but i can still remember the last time i spoke to her 
I should have asked her if she was okay and mm. I should have asked a second question about what I was seeing. It may not have made a difference, but it's something that could have made a difference. Mm. Mm. Uh, and, and the same with the second one, which was a, a message to someone very close to me, which I thought, no, that just doesn't seem right. But I didn't say anything. Right. Mm. And again, you think, oh, yeah. I wish I had. And what was the what was the behaviour change that you noticed in both of them? Um, agitation, mm-hmm. withdrawal, and and in retrospect, a a false sense of happiness, particularly mm. in the in the one that I was, I was friends with who did suicide. Um, but there was also this sense of disconnection as well, which right. was that moment that I thought I wish I had have asked her that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for all intents and purposes, you really didn't see anything different, mm. uh, and just needing to watch really, really carefully. Yeah, mm. yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Ask the question, yeah. Maggie. In terms of um, your experience with people uh, in suicide, um, mm. you'd have a lot of experience in that field. Yes, um, yeah. So, what's been your first-hand experience with with that over the years? Um. My, in regards to if they've mentioned or I've noticed, well, if someone comes in and they're quite vulnerable, and you can generally, because I work a little bit with energy, mm-hmm. I could tell that they're vulnerable. And I'll say, how are you? And and how's things going? What's What's happening? Tell me more about what's going on. But asking the question of are they okay, I usually... I've noticed, I'm wondering, make I statements rather than you appear to be such and such. So I've noticed that you're not quite yourself. Is there anything I could do to help you? Mm -hmm. Um, What would help you at this time? And it it can take a bit of effort, but if you create an environment where you do a lot more listening than you do a lot more talking, Mm -hmm. that's better for them to open up. But it's um, it's a tricky thing. Some people may reject you, and and that's okay as well because they're quite they're not quite ready to um, sort of take it further or look at themselves or even disclose what their plan is. But some people, as you just said, um, David, that they're appearing to be okay and they're not okay. But yet that front is a, a big thing. But um, there's no, you know, clear pathway of somebody who's going to take their life. It doesn't. It's very varied. But yes, trust your gut feeling in in sensing that all's not well with them. In my work, it's um, the Vietnam veterans. Uh, that's an important thing. Every time I do see a veteran, I have to do um, the risk factor of how much at risk they are. And that's an assessment that's quite involved, uh, as well as protective factors, what's keeping them here. What's And it could be a, um, a veteran and his dog. Mm-hmm. So that's a protective factor. So anything that uh, is keeping someone here. So it's a tricky one, but it is one worth trusting your own gut in what you need to do. Mm. But Make it can change a life, absolutely, mm. or keep mm. a life, someone alive. Well, Margaret, what do you also think about 
as I was thinking about today, that a friend of mine has always said you should always ask a, ask a second question. Yes. So if I said yeah. to you, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And you say, yeah, I'm fine. But then the second question would be, I'm just wondering if that's true because I feel or I sense or I see something really different. Are you really okay? Because sometimes it's that second question yeah. that yeah. tells people that they're okay to talk about it as opposed to saying, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, no worries. Yes, yeah, that's yes. Great. Yeah, tell me what's happening. Yeah. Or what's been going on in your life? What have mm. you been doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just opening up the conversation with opening questions, mm. that sort of thing, mm. I think, David. Yep. Yeah, but letting them talk. And uh, if they weep, give them time to weep, lower your eyes and just stay with them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another, um, you know, I recently heard another way of asking the are you okay question was um, how are you how are you feeling out of 10 mm. and encouraging someone to give you a score out of 10 and then asking them well what's causing you to feel a six or a four or an eight and mm. they give you your follow-up question as you were mentioning David and I think it's an interesting way of addressing the question because it kind of forces the person to have to make it a definitive answer you have to choose mm. on this scale um yeah it was an interesting way of um asking the same question but it's really that digging in to find out the reasons why because our automatic responses can often just be yeah i'm all right yeah i'm mm. good yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's we, fine we all, we all do that sort but of yeah thing, we do it all the time you know mm. and we probably don't even think about how we're really feeling in that moment you know it's just an it's an automatic response and often we'll just accept that and and move on, won't mm, we? Mm. Mm. And it can be difficult for us as well because some people just don't want to know if somebody's in a bad space. You no. know, look, you know, um, there's a term we use when, how are you today? Oh, good, thanks. That's the way. We don't want to know anymore. That's the way. Mm. That's good, you know. Don't get me involved because it brings up stuff for ourselves. Mm. So, you know, we want everyone to be happy. We want everyone. We're all walking around with masks. And pretending that we're okay. Mm. Yeah. And we often sit, feel very uncomfortable when someone is feeling yes. feelings that are intense. Indeed. And yeah. we don't know what to do with it. So yes. our immediate response, oh, okay, well, you'll be all right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> <Which> is, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> certainly not the way we, we need to learn how yep. to be with people. Absolutely, yeah. David. With, the, um, with suicide, for instance, uh, Margaret, are there particular commonalities with those who decide that you know they they suicide is an option for them are they are they experiencing anything in particular uh this that's a good question steve but certainly um if there's been a suicide by a friend or family that's a very high factor of their vulnerability so do you mean that they they will look at that it's okay for me to do it that sort of thing. Well, they know somebody who's done it mm-hmm. and they thought it's okay for them and they mm-hmm. sort of saw mm-hmm. that it looked like it was quite, quite easy, it's a way out. They did it. So is there is this copycat effect which is very important to understand. Um, I had a patient just recently and she was a woman in her uh, mid-70s and her neighbour took her life and she thought that looked quite easy. She just stockpiled pills and so she did the same thing. She came into treatment to see me at the request of her GP. Luckily she came along 
And uh, she said, I don't want to be here. And the first thing I asked is, have you got a plan? Having a plan is really, that's when the alarm bells go off. If they give me a plan, you know that you have to act. Mm. She also had a stockpile. So see, mm. there's that copycat effect, right. which really um, does play a factor in suicide, in contemplating and wanting to suicide. Mm. And in some of the research we were looking at leading up to the program, uh, Margaret, we, um, there's one bit of research that said beyond the tragic loss of a person, the impact of suicide deaths are felt mm. by up to 135 Absolutely. people, including family members, work colleagues, yes. friends, first responders yes. at the time of death. So it's not... Uh, and there's a quote I want to share uh, shortly from um, the, the blog we often refer to, The Wisdom of Crazy Horse, but it's not just about the, and I'll say it, the selfish decision that a person makes. It mm. has an impact that goes, has a ripple effect far, far broader. Widespread. Um, mm. And, um, you know, it's, it's important. In fact, can I share that, post, that quote now? Yes. Sure. I'd like Th- to this is it. This is a... Um, uh, those regular listeners would know that we often refer to the um, a blog site called The Wisdom of Crazy Horse. <clears throat> and this is a quote specifically on suicide. And what he says is this. When a person takes their own life, they are making a number of conscious and unconscious decisions. Consciously, they are declaring that the negativity of their life has become so entrenched that they don't want to fight their way out of it. They are also declaring that they believe their situation is unfair. Hence, they want to hurt others for their situation. Lastly, they are consciously declaring that they want to escape from life rather than face it. Unconsciously, they know that they are not escaping and that they are making their situation worse through suiciding. However... They cut themselves off from this higher knowledge and selfishly suicide. Hence, suicide is a deliberate act of avoidance with a desire to hurt those close to them through committing this act in the higher knowledge that it will not allow them to avoid anything. Suicide normalizes suicide amongst peers. The first line of defence against this is for the funeral celebrants to explain the spiritual consequences of this act to the peers at the funeral. The self-evident selfishness of the act also needs highlighting. The bigger part of the strategy is is to not make it normal or acceptable and to teach people the reality of the need to be accountable for their life. Science has not Mm. reduced the incidence of suicide. The only way is spiritual education. That's a fairly powerful statement. I think Mm. it summarises it really, really well, from my perspective anyway. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Mm. If I can just throw into there too, just uh, this is my own personal experience of this, is that... um, Whilst quotes like that are, are, are they're necessary, and I think from that that concept of educating is a really important. But with my experience, there seems to be this psychological uh, 
line that people step across where their natural reasoning just seems to I'd be really mm. interested to hear what you've got to say about that Margaret mm. natural reasoning just goes out the door and they cannot make conscious choice so therefore the important part with this whole process I think is to be able to short circuit it a lot earlier yeah. to recognise it or to know that you've got to seek for help because this is the consequence of mm. where it is that someone is at I'd, mm. be, I'd be interested to hear what you think Margaret well, like an, uh, it's a good point, David, but, but it's um, they can't see any other way. It's an, something they've thought about for a long time and they feel that, that that's the only solution. And But it's that we, as people outside their world, can notice that there's a change in their demeanour or their behaviour, whatever. But... Once again, having having some purpose, having some need to be here, mm-hmm. um, is so important. And and I do ask people what gives you joy, things like that. Yeah, but it, it's a very good point. Those who live in the rural or country areas also have a, there's a high selection or the most vulnerable groups, as well as those who have previously had an attempt on their life. They're also vulnerable groups. Yeah, well, let's talk some more about that. We'll have a bit of a short break to do so. Um, now, Maggie, on our on our show, uh, we like to ask our guests to uh, offer up a song that has meaning to them. Uh, you actually chose a song today. Do you want to just share what that song was and, and why it means something to you? Um, Steve, it was called, it's called I've Got to Be Me, and it's Sammy Davis Jr., and when I hear this song, which I've been hearing it for a long time, it makes me feel very empowered. Uh, I was brought up in a strict Catholic Catholic background. A lot of people could relate to that, I'm sure. <laughs> Where and, and being a girl in the 1940s, you weren't considered that important. And I was always trying to be me who I am, but because I was told to be a good girl all the time. And virtually told you can't be you so mm-hmm. this song really does resonate with me well Sounds hope great. you enjoy Perfect. <laughs> let's play it Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. Hello and welcome back and you're listening to Men With Spirit on Radio Karam with me, Steve Angel, and my co-host, Peter Anthony. And today we're discussing Are You OK Day with our special guests, coach and men's group facilitator, David Smith, and clinical psychologist, Margaret Loeffler. Now, before we uh, headed to your wonderful song there, which I think is a, is a mantra that we all should be living by, uh, It's Gotta Be Me by Sammy Davis Jr. Um, great song. <laughs> it was a great song. Um, I just Something that sort of um, I think that we, we should discuss about um, the topic of Are You OK? is this idea of disconnection and, and connection and the importance that it has in our life. Because obviously someone who is not feeling themselves is obviously being disconnected just not from their own sense of self but also their own community and family so i just want to raise that with with you all here and and just what are your thoughts about the idea of what causes us to be disconnected margaret do you have anything you want to Um, say 
yes, I think sometimes we feel not good enough that we don't fit in. I'm different. I'm not like you. Um, I stand out. I have nothing to offer. I hear that a lot. I've got nothing really to offer anyone else. That is that is very common, yes. Yeah, you're right. yeah the feelings that, um, that they're unworthy, unlovable. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but mostly that they have nothing to offer anyone else. I've got nothing to say when... And yet, get them into therapy with me, and they, they <laughs> really let me know what they've got a lot to say, and it's lovely. It's it, and then at the end of the session, but generally it's it's just low self worth and childhood stuff usually comes into that. I always go back to the childhood and situations in the family, uh, the nurturing, what sort of nurturing they had. I could talk for a week on that. That's mm-hmm. very important. I think um, over these last two, two or three years, with the whole um, the, the government's approach to uh, the lockdowns yeah. and the isolation yeah, and everything, the pandemic. so many people uh, seem to have withdrawn or isolated themselves and are dealing with the consequences mm. of that. It'd be interesting just to look at the suicide statistics, but also the other mental health yeah. consequences. But young kids in schools and um, and they're saying even with um, younger children, because people are wearing the masks, they haven't been mm. able to um, uh, understand um, facial expressions and that sort of thing yeah. as the way they normally do as far as their developmental uh, growth, etc. But this whole thing of, um, as if you like, a state-imposed isolation and disconnection and the consequences of that, I, I think are quite profound mm. and even today you, you find people that are just so fearful of engaging with people they don't know or if there's yeah. someone coughs or something they run a, run mm. a mile um, yeah there's yeah. yeah i don't know what what others your experience is with that yeah there's also a lot of uh, i do a lot of work with different corporate organizations and and what i tend to see is that there is an even greater need to justify their existence mm-hmm. which is are you okay? Yeah, sure. I'm. I'm. I'm okay. I'm fine. As opposed to saying, look, I'm. I'm really struggling with my workload. I'm really struggling with this, because there's the fear that if they say I'm struggling or, or I'm weak, yeah. or that's the sense yeah, I'm yeah. being weak, then yeah. that will actually play out on maybe security of some sort. Mm. So people become reluctant to speak honestly about what's going on for them, and they need a listening ear. They need a yeah. supportive ear, and they're not alone that that's really the big part with a lot of the stuff i've been doing is you get people in small groups and a lot of my work is virtual and you get them in a group to talk amongst themselves and they they invariably will come out of a a program that you run saying i'm not alone Mm. everyone else is experiencing Mm. the same stuff Mm. different circumstance but everyone seems to be feeling exactly the same way so they just talk to each other and they listen to each other, and that's mm. such an important thing that we need to get back to doing now. Yeah. It got me thinking about the virtual because that has had a profound effect on us as well. Mm. We are for two years, you know, I know that it's slowly coming back, but a lot of people still haven't gone back to the office. I mm. mean, occupancy rates within, you know, uh, office yeah, buildings is like Melbourne. 20 or 30 yeah. percent. I mean, they're yeah. not going back, yeah. and they're enforcing that themselves with their employers and saying, No, I'll. I'll come back one day, two day, whatever. But then, you know, you've got working from home, you've got children, you know, at at home at the same time, and you've got um, this sort of forced isolation as well. I mean, all of that is going to have 
profound effect on your ability and your desire to share energy with somebody else, mm. won't it? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the key point, sharing energy. Mm. So we're sitting around the table mm. eyeballing each other, sharing energy. We, you know, I did one of these virtually or two of these virtually. Yeah. Very, very It's very different, different isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like being together and just you're yeah. bouncing off each other in a very different mm. way, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so what? why can't we catch up for people with coffee, for mm. a coffee or sit in the park or take the dog for a walk? Mm. Yeah, we've just got to get back to doing it. Mm. Yeah. So important. I heard somebody say something about, you know, you know when we were in lockdown and every, all of a sudden everybody was like enjoying, you know, riding their bike or taking their dog for a walk because that was part of, you know, yeah. allowed ex- exercise. I have a life. <laughs> and then someone said to me the other day, is like, oh, you know, well, I don't want to take the kids out for a ride because they're so over that because of COVID. And yes. I'm thinking, it's a shame that, you know, these wonderful new habits that they had developed, they're sort of dropping and sort of falling back into the these old mm. habits. We're thinking that was a wonderful thing, you know, going out riding with the family and, and exploring your neighbourhood and meeting new people. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Could I say that the fear in the community was huge? Mm. Um, because I work on the Mornington Peninsula and it's a huge aging population some people call it god's waiting room <laughs> i'm not buying into that but there is big division of fear and still fearful of coming out coming out into joining their old activities like senior citizens or card groups um, and and that so that's been really challenging in the last couple of years and now they've got that way that they're now not wanting to even go to their letterbox which is quite sad because they're fearful of um you could catch it you know putting your hand on the gate or the whoever's been around you could catch it in the air just misunderstanding the divisions between uh those who have and those who haven't has been horrendous and sad so that fear factor has been a huge um, has, has had a huge impact on people's mood, mm-hmm. sadly. Fear and choice, too. I think the other part I, I see is that for the, the harsh word that I will often use with people is, uh, are you the victim of the circumstances? Or mm-hmm. how much of this do you have a choice about how you can actually be? Mm-hmm. And a part of that choice is to reach out to people, to make the effort to connect, to, to not always wait for somebody to come to you because... It's. I think it's one thing to ask somebody, but it's another thing to find the courage to say, "Hey, I do need some help right now as well," yeah, yeah. which is even harder to do, I think. But yeah. it's an important part about how we get back to being a, a, a more healthy, functional, connected society. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's something. It's an important thing to note as well. This what we're talking about today is not just about suicide prevention. Mm. Are you okay? Day is checking in on everybody yeah. to see how they're feeling yeah. and how they're doing in their life right now, and it is that to bring that community together, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. And it could be that you know, sense of isolation. It could be relationship problems. Mm. There's a whole range of things that yeah, that question sure. and that genuine interest in mm. your fellow per- man, mm. woman, mm. Uh, can bring up. Mm. That's an important point you made. Genuine interest. Mm. And not just going through the mo- uh, yeah. gets back to what we were saying before, um, and just asking, "Oh, how are you? Mm. I'm fine. I'm fine." Mm. And so often that's not the case, but we don't mm. want to engage. And mm. if we genuinely are, um, have concern for each other and for our supporting each other, yeah. then um, that can go a long way yeah. to 
making society a better place. Mm. And it starts with our individual actions yeah. Yeah. and our how we feel about our things. Us. And if yeah. each of us do that, we'll have that ripple effect. So mm. it, we can get to the stage we think, oh, this is all too big. It's a, it's a massive problem. Yeah. But if we all start behaving differently and sharing our yeah. energy and sharing mm. our love. Mm. Um, look, I, I had in, just in the last day a very, very dear friend of mine. He, he just lost his... Um, his elder brother, um, and he was deeply affected. And, and I came home last night, and he was not uh, not in a good place. So I said, "Go give you a hug," and it was just lovely just to mm. share that genuine concern mm. for someone that was going mm. through a fair bit of pain. Mm. Mm. Can um, I, sorry, go on, Margaret. Oh, sorry. Thanks, David. Um, and what you give out, you get back. Mm. If you genuinely care and and show interest in another it takes a focus off yourself mm. and you know i the reason why i'm continuing to work and i hope i work right up till i'm 99.9 um <laughs> no intention because... of turning 100 then <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. want that letter from the queen <laughs> she'll probably still be around yes yeah, she'll, she'll be 130 or something um is because it's it's good for me it gives me a purpose to get out of bed mm. and to you know, in some mornings I think, oh, look, I've got to give away this job. It's too hard. But as soon as I sit down with my first patient or client, I'm a different person. Mm. I'm alive. I feel like I've got things to mm. contribute. Mm. And I genuinely care and love mm. for my patients. Mm. So it it is reciprocal. Mm. Keep on going. Take the focus off yourself. It's not always about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think a really great example of if uh, anybody listening is wondering, well, how do we actually do this? As you were talking, Peter, the the way you opened the show about how are you feeling, what's mm. been happening, I think is a really great example of how to connect with people because mm-hmm. you both opened up to each other just based on mm. one or two questions, mm. which was mm. really lovely to watch. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. It is. It is nice. I've had 27 episodes of experience there. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's important. It's important because we are look. To, to be honest, I mean, I, I joke, but we are we are trying to share a lot about ourselves and our experience in the hope that it, it does inspire other other guys in particular to just start to you know relook at the way that they behave, you know, and the way that they see their life, and that these are normal conversations. We should have them more mm. often, you know, and it's and, irrelevant. And we're certainly not perfect oh. <laughs> a long way from perfect no, but, but it's, no. <laughs> and, and we could be a lot more open and i find yeah it's this these programs are just talking honestly or trying to talk honestly mm. is is been good for us it has been and it has been it's been like our own self-therapy yeah well i guess let's just just before we um you know start to move on to the next section there just let's talk about men and sharing we've we've spoken about this a lot you know um in, but i'd love to hear both your perspective david and yours margaret in terms of you know just how do you help especially a, a man who's not used to expressing themselves to open up and you know what is what is your experience what's worked what what do you find doesn't work david do you have anything you want to share there um, yeah, I, I think men, it takes men a little bit of time to trust someone, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in a, a, gr- a group I was thinking about where it probably took us uh, the better part of three weeks for 
men to feel comfortable to really open up and mm-hmm. when they did it it was just quite amazing to watch because the the, the changes that they experienced would just seem to be so much rap so more rapid but from my perspective what it, what is really important is number one you meet them where they're at but number two you spend so much more time just listening mm-hmm. and that's a skill that that I'm going to bang on about forever that is so underrated but such a powerful healing mm. skill mm. so to be able to help someone feel safe enough that you will listen you will not judge you will ask questions mm-hmm. you will not try and mm. fix anything but you will just say mate yeah wow this is tough mm-hmm. how can i help mm-hmm. as opposed to oh you'll be right you know this is what i reckon you should do mm. yeah that that's really the the general way that i find you know, being mm. with men is really really important Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret coming from a clinical psychologist perspective which is good news and bad news but <laughs> males are hardwired to perform provide and protect so your socialization of being a male has been limiting in the past we're getting better at it but we women have also not contributed We've contributed to this socialisation. We're brought into it as well, which has limited you guys in opening up. But you're getting better because we're getting better. Women are getting better at not discriminating or distinguishing girls and boys being so different in in gender, clothing and behaviours and um, toys, things like that. So we are getting better but it's going to be very slow. Not in my lifetime will I see changes that way. But I think getting men, uh, they haven't been encouraged to talk about feelings, mm-hmm. sadly. But, you know, you men are trying to make a difference out there and, and that's so wonderful and so needed. Mm-hmm. So thank you. With, with, the, with the men that you work with, and let's, let's talk about the veterans as well and, and, and other men, you do find the same experience that David has that it takes maybe one or two sessions for them to open up or do do you find mm. a different a different outcome yeah. yes well with open arms they give you three sessions first of all they give the our client three sessions first of all to engage it's all about the relationship we have mm-hmm. and in that three sessions we we should have some sort of connection some sort of rapport and some sort of safety net for him or her to uh, feel as though that I could connect with this person. I work really hard at doing that because it's very, very important. Um, So that's an important thing. But I was telling Steve on the way over, I had someone in who for nine years and recently passed uh, with natural causes but I couldn't get him out of therapy. He just loved it. <laughs> in fact, I knew more about him than his wife did. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, her name was Margaret too. So, you know, I think that had something to do with it. But it was an important relationship with him or for him to stay here because initially he wanted to not be here as well. Mm-hmm. So that sort of thing. But um, men do relate to me because of my age group, I think, that's an important part. Mm. And they obviously felt feel heard. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. and respected yeah. and valued. Mm. And I create a, an environment where they, you know, their experiences are important and they're really listened to. I always say we've got two ears 
and one mouth. Mm-hmm. Use it accordingly. Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Look, guys, um, you know, just to, to lean upon the Are You OK Day and some of the information that they're sharing, I thought I might just share that with you all and maybe get a f- some of your own thoughts about it. But, you know, where does someone who's listening right now start today? And I, and I guess what we've identified is that if you you know somebody you're, you're close to and you can see some changes in their behavior, that's your first sign. And trust your gut, as David said as well. You know, trust your gut. If you feel like there's something that's, you know, different about them, that's changed about them. I mean, they could be experiencing grief, acting differently. There could be something, a breakdown in a relationship or they're just feeling overwhelmed. That's, I guess, the first point of call. And then, um, are, are you okay suggests this four-step process in terms of checking in on someone and that is one ask are you okay or some form of that question Two, listen which both david and margaret have have really sort of highlighted today is is really the most important part of that equation um and then encourage them to take action is a third step and finally the last one is to come back and check in with them again don't let that first conversation be in isolation you know because you are if you're going to develop that trust with them you want to they know that they're going to come back to them and check in and see how they're doing and that also will give you an indicator whether anything has changed so based on those four steps margaret do you have anything you want to add from your own experience with my patient who last week admitted that she had a stockpile of medication to take and to um, take her life uh I got I contacted her GP after we had the session and informed uh, her GP of the situation, the conversation we had because the, the GP had not picked up on that. Also, I got the patient to um, think seriously about what they were doing because they had a plan. And I said, look, I feel obliged to call a CAT team. But if you make a contract with me that you're going to be safe tonight and I'm going to call you tomorrow morning to check in. And she she sort of was happy with the thought that somebody cared enough about her to check in with her. Mm-hmm. So I did that, contacted her GP um, and said I won't contact the CAT team until uh, we ch- check in tomorrow. We had a chat then. And, and I, every day for a few days, about four days, I would text her and she had to text back, let me know how she was. And she did go back to the GP, got stronger medication, which was the way to go for her. Uh, and that got her through a tough time. But mm-hmm. it, it is checking in on a regular basis, a text message. Um, I notice that Lifeline has text messages now too. So, so young people today, that's all they want to do is text, mm-hmm. which is sadly, uh, but they don't want to talk. But that could be a good way to connect as well. Mm. David, do you have anything you want to add to those four steps that were mentioned? I'll just add on to the Are You OK site. Uh, I was looking through it over the weekend and what I, what I like about it is if you actually are not sure about what you should do or how you can approach a conversation, they've got some really good videos mm. that actually take you through this process mm. and ask you a series of questions which then changes the outcome mm-hmm. and it, it guides you through this. So... From any perspective, what we often, I know I have anyway, found difficult is what what do I say? How do I say it? What do I need to do? And the the site is a really good example of yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, great resources there. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, can so... I just, uh, can, can I just finish up with one thing? Just yeah, about, sure. um, we've mentioned this before, that we have an app um, that we've developed in conjunction with uh, DB Results called mm-hmm. MIOK, and uh, shortly we're going to be uh, launching a new release of that that's going to have a huge amount of uh, additional capabilities and resources available. But one of the reasons that um, we here at uh, Men With Spirit uh, very much like this particular app it encourages men to, to be self-accountable, to set targets and to check in on how they're going. It links them to resources and so on. And it's a, it's a, we're really excited by this whole new uh, release that's coming mm. out shortly. Uh, but it's one of the other ways we're helping or trying to help men to um, uh, look after their well-being. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's more on that uh, over the next few weeks. It is. Mm. Yeah, it is. Look, I think it's time for us to wrap out. Unfortunately, um, it's, it's been great. We're going to do these panels again. Yeah, Let's do them again. Before we do, um, Margaret, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap up? It's been terrific to uh, share these experiences with you guys. And it's also encouraged me or, or generated some more input into really what I do mm. with those who aren't okay. And it, it was the research on that I looked at over the weekend as well on suicide, which even uh, you just take your work for granted. It's, it's funny, but it's generated a whole new uh, good feeling of what I do. Thank oh, you, you for do, asking. You do a wonderful job. Good. You do, really do. And David, anything you want to wrap up? Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Pleasure's ah, it, ours. Just to reflect what Margaret said, it just makes me realise that even if you work with one person a day, that person could, you know, that, that could make the difference in the world. Yep. So it's just encouraging as well to keep me going doing what I'm doing. Good. Mm. Please do, both of you. Peter, do you have anything you want to add before I uh, start to wrap uh, up? Just, just a final thing that uh, the bottom line is suicide as uh, an option is not okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not don't, an option. Don't go there mm-hmm. uh, for all the reasons we've been talking about. And if if it is an issue, reach out and seek some help and support. Yes. There's a lot mm-hmm. of support out there. Lifeline. Yeah. One of them is one three double one one four. Thank you again to everyone uh, for participating in this, David and Margaret. And uh, that almost sounds like the movie show, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We could have our own show. All right. Look, information and links about our shows are available on the Radio Karen website or via our our Facebook page. And the Radio Karen website is radiokaren.org. If you want to attend any of our Men With Spirit gatherings, the event details, how to register, are also on the Men With Spirit Facebook page, which is at Men With Spirit, or you can email us at connectwithmenwithspirit.com.au. Now, David, we have you um, with uh, finishing off our episode with your song selection. Do you want to share what that is and, and why it means something to you? Well, the song is called Lullaby of the Leaves by Beth Hart and Joe Bonamassa. And Joe Bonamassa is just a, he's this amazing blues guitarist and Beth Hart's got this, just this gravelly blues voice that I don't know what it does, it just creates this enormous emotion in me and this, um, the, the guitar, it's like one of these songs that just uplifts you, I just love it. Awesome. Well, I think it's a great way to finish off this episode. Thank you, Peter. 
Thank you, Steve. And Thanks, thank everyone, for listening. Yes, <laughs> Margaret and David. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity, thank boys. I'm um, very privileged. Thank you. We'll be back on air next Thursday at 4 p.m. Until then, be true to yourself. <laughs>